Hi ladies, my name is Janelle Anderson and I am a life and leadership coach for women business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. I love to help women emerge fearlessly. I love to help them clear away all the chaos and the confusion and the clutter in their busy lives so that they can focus on themselves and find who they truly are and then become who they truly are and show up in their lives fully engaged and fully confident in their amazing selves. It's a wonderful journey and in this podcast you will find lots of inspiration, stories, tips, and practical strategies that I have learned along the way to help you discover who you truly are and who you truly want to become. You wasted so much time doing that Facebook stuff. You're so stupid. Why can't you ever stick to your to-do list? What is wrong with you? Ouch, right? You know, we all have that inner critic who loves to point out all our flaws and mistakes. And usually it's running like an app in the background. We don't even know what's going on. We don't even realize that we're doing it. Have you ever noticed it showing up? How often do you hear that berating, self-criticizing, self-judging tirade of thoughts going through your mind, especially when you've messed up? I want to help you today to take a deep look at how you talk to yourself and help you uncover what those hidden messages are that you clobber yourself with and then create a framework around what it looks like to practice self-compassion instead. And I want to share with you today how and why it's so important. How changing this one behavior can literally transform your life and why that's so important. So again, I want to ask you, how often do you pay attention to your mental chatter? Especially those messages that you give yourself that are negative and critical. You know, sometimes you even say them out loud. I know I do. Messages like what I opened with, you know, you're an idiot, how stupid can you be? Why'd you do that? Most of us are much more critical of ourselves than we are of others. I can't imagine sitting across the table with my friend that I've been friends with for 35 years and saying to her, you're so stupid. Why'd you do that? I mean, I would never, never do that. So why? Let's dive into the why. Why do we do that? Why do we beat ourselves up all the time? Well, first of all, I just want you to know that this is really common. So you're not alone and you're not weird if you're doing this, okay? I don't want you to leave this call feeling more beat up. We all do this. But here are some possible reasons why we do it. According to Dr. Kristen Neff, who wrote the book, Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Dr. Neff has been a pioneer in this whole field of studying self-compassion. And this book is really amazing. And if you struggle a lot with this negative self-talk and you just have a hard time breaking out of that habit, then I highly recommend that you buy her book. She even has a workbook to go along with it. But she says that one of the reasons why we do this is it's a safety behavior. It allows us to put ourselves down before anybody else can do it. You know, for example, I look so fat in this dress. It's like we're trying to beat others to the punch 
by pointing out our flaws first so they don't have to. And then we're hoping secretly that they'll have sympathy for us instead of judging us. It's just this natural desire we have to not be rejected. Another reason why is that we learned it as kids. Parents are not perfect and they have their own things that they're dealing with and often they spoke harsh criticisms to us when we were kids and they thought at the time that they were keeping us safe or that they were helping us improve our behavior. You know, they might have said something like, don't be so stupid to run out into the street, you'll get hit by a car or you'll never get into college with those lousy grades. So we end up internalizing those messages and playing those tapes over and over in our subconscious minds. It's like we've downloaded them into our hard drive and they're down there and they're running in the background and they just become a part of our normal way of thinking, our default pattern of thinking, and we believe that they're true. So we keep repeating them to ourselves. So the third reason why we do this is that We've also received criticism from others like teachers, coaches, siblings, grandparents, and I mean coaches like sports coaches. I mean like life coaches like me, we would never do that. <laughs> siblings, grandparents, friends, and all these people around us, the, we could pick up those kind of messages from those people, like our boss, you know, coworkers saying things to us like, that was stupid, or why'd you do that? or the more subliminal messages that that they would say to us like I wouldn't do it that way I mean that can definitely be translated into a negative self-talk because we can translate that and say see I'm really stupid like I really don't know how to do that or I really messed up and we think that if we tell ourselves that if we self-criticize then that will somehow prevent us from making the same mistakes we made in the first place to get that criticism from that person. That somehow we're gonna protect ourselves from getting more criticism from others if we beat ourselves up first. A fourth reason why we do this is the role of our culture. Our culture, especially in the United States, it really emphasizes independence and individual achievement. Sometimes self-criticism is seen as a motivational tool like, if I put myself down enough, if I tell myself these messages like, oh, you did that lousy, you need to do better, that somehow that's going to motivate me to do better. But in reality, it's more likely to produce depression, anxiety, and dissatisfaction. It's not a motivator. Praise is the real motivator. Self-compassion and compassion for others, that's what motivates people. The fifth reason why we do this is that desire for control. I thought this one was so interesting. We self-criticize as a way to be in control of our lives. We are holding the whip over ourselves when we fail. We believe that falling short of perfection is something we should avoid and that we can avoid, but that's not even possible. Nobody's perfect. We're going to hit roadblocks and we're going to mess up in life. We're human. But we don't see that and we start to judge and attack ourselves as a way of being the criticizer and the criticized. At least I'm smart enough to see how stupid that comment I just made was. You know what I mean? Like we're thinking, okay, if I catch myself doing it and I let myself have it, that I'm in control. And when we get angry at ourselves, it gives us this feeling of power and strength, almost like I'm superior to those parts of myself that messed up. 
you know, that part of myself that I judged as inadequate and unacceptable, I am superior to that because now I'm, I'm pointing out the faults of that part of myself. And that gives me a feeling of control. And it's very subconscious. We don't know we're doing this. But I thought that one was super interesting. And also, number six, we set high standards for ourselves that are unrealistic, right? And when we don't reach them, we beat ourselves up about it. it. Makes us feel like we have some measure of control over ourselves. One great example for that is you're trying to lose weight and you gain pounds back or you, you know, you eat that chocolate cake or something and you start beating yourself up. I do this a lot even now, even though I've made great progress with eating healthy and I eat healthy 99% of the time, but that one time where I had that piece of cake I will find myself in the background very subliminal saying, oh, you blew it. Why'd you do that? You could have just said, no, you didn't need that piece of cake. You know, I'm beating myself up over it. You're gonna lose, I mean, you're gonna gain all that weight back. No wonder you can't lose weight. And that stuff's rolling around in there. And I don't even realize it for a while. So why is it so important to do all that work to change the tapes? to press pause on the negative self-talk and press play on the positive, on the self-compassion talk. Why? Why would we want to do that? Because when we constantly judge ourselves and engage in this negative self-talk, we actually attract more negativity into our lives. It creates a steady state of fear. It creates lack of trust. It creates dissatisfaction. It can even sabotage our relationships because we begin to assume, now tell me the truth, if you've ever done this, I know I have. We begin to assume that others are judging us just as harshly as we're judging ourselves. We start making up the story in our minds about what that person's thinking about me. And the next thing you know, that relationship is ending because that person can't take it anymore. So that's one of the reasons why we want to change this behavior because we want to have good relationships with people and we don't want to keep creating the same thing over and over again. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you say, okay, see, there's proof. I am a loser. I am a failure. I am stupid. See, there, there it is. So that's why we want to change this behavior because we want to live a happier, more fulfilling life. We want to be free to be who we really are. We're becoming who we are. And we want to feel at home in our own skin. And in order to do that, we have got to start talking nice to ourselves. We need to start practicing self-compassion and self-kindness. We need to flip the switch on those tapes and begin to create new ones. I want to read a quote from Dr. Neff's book. The quote is by Pima Kodron, who wrote, Start Where You Are. When you begin to touch your heart or let your heart be touched, you begin to discover that it's bottomless. It doesn't have any resolution, that this heart is huge, vast, and limitless. You begin to discover how much warmth and gentleness is there, as well as how much space. I love this quote because it just highlights the fact that that I've been talking about our hard drive 
That's the subconscious, which is your heart. And it is vast and limitless. It's like the iceberg. We live in our conscious mind, which is the top of the iceberg, but it's, it's that under the surface part that we live out of and we don't even realize it. And so it's this place of realizing and looking at our heart and realizing that there's so much good there. There's so much warmth and gentleness there. There's so much space, but there's areas there in that deeper part where those messages live that keep telling us that we're not enough, that we're stupid, that we're dumb, that we're failures. And what we need to do is dig down deep and find those tapes and remove them. We need to delete them from our hard drive and upload and download new messages because it's in that place that drives our behavior and our, our even our, our ability to become who we truly are, our ability to stop comparing ourselves with others, and our ability to be free to embrace ourselves, to love ourselves completely. We've got to go into those places. We've got to look at our heart. So in this book, Self-Compassion, Dr. Neff, she defines self-kindness to mean that we stop the constant self-judgment and internal commentary that most of us have come to see as normal. We think it's normal. So to start practicing self-kindness, it requires us to understand our foibles and our failures instead of condemning them. It entails clearly seeing the extent to which we harm ourselves through this relentless self-criticism. It means we need to end that internal battle we have with ourselves. But even more than that, self-kindness means that we are also going to actively comfort ourselves respond just as we would to our friend. If my friend came to me and said she had messed up, how would I respond to her? How would she respond to me when I mess up? So it means that we allow ourselves to be emotionally moved by our own pain, stopping to say, this is really difficult right now. How can I care for and comfort myself in this moment? With and calm, our troubled minds. We make a peace offering of warmth, gentleness, and sympathy from ourselves to ourselves so that true healing can occur. And she also says, if our pain is caused by a misstep we've made, this is precisely the time to give ourselves compassion. In the very moment where we mess up, that's the time, not later, so learning to practice that in the moment, self-compassion, it just takes a little bit of time. What is happening to your body and to your brain and to your heart and your emotions when you're practicing self-kindness and when you're practicing self-critical self-judgment? So the power of self-kindness is not just an idea. It's very real. And when we soothe our own pain, we tap into that caregiving part of us. It triggers the release of oxytocin. And researchers say that that's the hormone of love and bonding. It's a very important hormone in relationships. So you know, when you're talking to other people and you're trying to soothe them or make them feel better, you might give them a hug or or rub their arm or, and you're going to speak gently to them and kindly to them and compassionately 
that releases oxytocin and it makes us feel calmer and better. So when you talk to yourself that way, the same thing happens in your brain. And when we have increased levels of oxytocin in our system, we have increased feelings of trust, calm, safety, generosity, and connectedness. And also, we can facilitate the ability to feel warmth and compassion for ourselves. Oxytocin also reduces fear and anxiety, and it can counteract the increased blood pressure and cortisol that's associated with stress. So really give yourself a hug. I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally give yourself a hug. Research also says that self-criticism has a very different effect on our body. This is where I was talking about before, where it just attracts more negativity into your life. But what it does is in your brain, it affects the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that's designed to detect threats in the environment. It's the fight or flight response. And so it triggers your body to increase blood pressure and adrenaline and the hormone cortisol. It's getting you ready to either fight or flight, right? And it's good when you need it, but you don't want to live there. So if you're constantly putting yourself down and engaging in that negative self-talk, you are releasing more of the stress hormones into your body, which, like I said, that's just attracting more negativity into your life. And it's affecting your heart rate, your blood pressure. And when there's too much cortisol in your body, it can break down all the good systems, all the good stuff in your body and just keep you in this place of stress. We don't wanna be there. So being kind and reassuring towards yourself, it actually brings positive emotions and good hormones and soothing, calming thoughts. So know that when you experience those kinds of tender, warm feelings towards yourself, you're altering your body as well as your mind. But if you're putting yourself down all the time, you're gonna be feeling worried and anxious. So self-kindness just allows us to feel safe. When we respond in painful experiences or in places where we feel like we've messed up, we're no longer going to be responding from a place of fear because we're creating for ourselves a place of safety. It's okay if you messed up, you're human, right? And once we let go of the insecurities and the fear, we can pursue our dreams with confidence and the confidence that we really need to actually achieve those dreams. It releases us from those self-sabotaging, self-limiting thoughts to actually go for it. And you know, I'm always saying to you guys, emerge fearlessly as your authentic self and go out there and do what you really want. If you're giving yourself these negative messages that tell you you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're, you know, all of those things, you're not going to be able to go for it. So how do we start reprogramming our brain? How do we begin to practice self-compassion? I want to give you an exercise you can start with. Keep a self-judgment or a self-criticizing inner critic journal and notice when you're being self-critical. And at first it might be hard because you've gotten so used to it that you don't even realize you're doing it, but the way to realize it is to tune into your emotions. So anytime you start to feel bad about yourself, stop in that moment and take notice of what you're thinking. What are you saying to yourself exactly word for word, write it down. What is the tone of your voice? 
Are there any key words or phrases that you keep saying over and over? You really want to get to know that inner critic very well. The more that you get to know that inner critic, the more that you get to know where it came from, and that helps you get to know yourself. And when you are listening to that inner critic, do it with compassion. Don't judge the inner critic and call it names. (laughs) Like, you're such a jerk. Say something like, I know you're really trying to keep me safe and you're trying to help me improve, but your harsh criticism and judgment is really not helping. So stop being so critical. You're causing me unnecessary pain. Now that might seem really weird to talk to yourself that way, but it really does work. I've been known to talk to my inner critic out loud and tell it to stop. And then you want to reframe the observations that were made by your inner critic. This is how you get to know your inner critic and what it's trying to tell you something, but it's just doing it in a negative way. So look at the underlying message. What is it trying to teach me? And then reframe it in a kind, friendly, positive way. If you're having trouble thinking of what words to use, just imagine that you're talking with a very compassionate friend. And what would your friend say to you in this situation? And even use terms of endearment like sweetheart or darling. Yes, talk to yourself that way. I know that you just ate that bag of cookies because you're really feeling sad right now and you thought it would cheer you up. But you now feel even worse and you're not feeling good in your body. But I want you to be happy. So why don't you take a good walk? So this is supportive self-talk and you can hug yourself or stroke your arm or stroke your face. I even will look at myself in the mirror and say things and look at myself in my eyes and say, you are doing the best you can. You are amazing. You are an amazing human being and you are going for it. And look at all the great things you've done. Yes, this last thing you did maybe wasn't the best thing to do, but you were doing the best that you could. And let's talk about ways we can do this better or something like that. How would you talk to a friend who just messed up? and made a mistake? Or how would your friend talk to you? You'll start to release that oxytocin. You'll start to release the feel-good hormones and your emotions will begin to change from feeling anxious or worried or fearful to feeling calm. True warmth and caring will eventually follow. And the more you do it, the more you create the habit Just like you created the habit of putting yourself down, you'll create a habit of talking nice to yourself and loving on yourself. And this is powerful. This can really change your entire life. I hope this has been helpful. I'd love to hear from you about how this is changing your life. Let me know if you do this exercise and start journaling and creating new messages and how it affects your life. Or if you have trouble doing it, let me know that as well. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you would subscribe and comment and share it with your friends. Let's build a tribe and a community of fearless women who love who they are and who are stepping fully into their best selves. What could be greater than that? If you'd like to connect with me, go to my website at emerginglifecoaching.com 
or email me, Janelle at EmergingLifeCoaching.com. I would love to talk to you and get to know who you are.